MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back into Sharp Money here. Mike Samich filling in for Patrick Maher. We've got Amal Shaw and Dustin Swedelson there in South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Rolling along here with hour two of Sharp Money and bringing in one of my favorite guests to listen to, Zach Harper, the athletic NBA writer at Talk Hoops on Twitter. One of the busiest mans out there. Has three different podcasts going, Count the Dings, the athletic NBA show, and Cinephobe. And just got back. Are you currently in Vegas for Summer League? You still out there? No, I got back yesterday. I, I, I foolishly went there like two days before with my girlfriend. We were like, Oh, we'll get a couple of days, you know, just have, you know, we needed a little bit of time. And that was like six, seven days in Vegas. No offense to anyone who lives there. That's hell. It's just too much. Well, you got the Vegas voice going there. Yeah, Zach. Exactly. I love it. Tell, yeah, tell us about yeah, the summer is about experience. as good as it gets. <laughs> tell uh, us I mean, about the summer great. experience. I was go for it. Yeah. So something's great, man. Like I, like I've been going for like, I think my first one was 2009. So like, I, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a veteran of this thing at this point, but you know, you get in there, you start talking to people, all of a sudden you realize nobody's watching the basketball and then everybody's watching basketball. Cause Victor Wembanyama is there and it's just one blur into another. It all blends together. I couldn't tell you if, if, you know, Tyreek Evans made his, his summer league debut two years ago or 14 years ago. I don't know at this point, it all blends together into one big moment of me just giving away money. <laughs> Zach, the summer league feels like one of two things for me. It's for a lot of fans that may not be able to access or have the affordability to go to an NBA game. And then the second thing is it's like the final four. It's just basically like a coach's conference and an opportunity for people to network and kind of catch up with people they may not see during the regular year. Is there anything more to it than that? Obviously, Warren Legary's making some money with it, but other than that, I feel like this is just kind of a like a showcase of nothing really. 
Yeah, I mean, like there are. I think you know there are there are people who are legitimately carving out careers both off the court and on the court, right? Yeah. Like someone may get an invite that they weren't going to get, or someone may get noticed by by an international team. They're like that's the thing. It's not just about the NBA. Like there is a lot of international influence. One one thing I found out years ago, this must've been six, seven years ago, which I didn't know before. And I don't know if it's actually still happening, but apparently like it might be like the Korean basketball league or the Taiwanese basketball league. It's like one of these international basketball leagues over in Asia, they do like a draft at the end of summer league or, or maybe during summer league, but they'll pick like, okay, like, yeah, we drafted Wemben Yama, right? Like knowing they won't get him, but just on the off chance that he decides someday, yeah, I'll go to Korea. I'll go play in Korea. Like some teams is like, we got him. We're going to dominate this thing. So there's just all these like little, these little instances of basketball culture and basketball adjacent things happening at all times. But it is mostly an excuse for the NBA to say, what if we spent 12 days in Vegas? How badly could that go? <laughs> no, let's just have a little bit of fun there. Why not? Right. Let's, let's talk about two of the guys in Vegas. We just had a discussion around rookie of the year. And obviously that centers around Victor Wimbanyama of minus two twenty, minus two fifty, And a lot of the markets around town, I watched both the summer league games from Hawaii. The wife was not happy with that decision for me, but I had to do it. Cause I wanted to see him play my biggest takeaway. Man, I'm scared he's going to get hurt. It looked like he fell five or six times, just kind of awkwardly after trying to block a shot or after going toward the hoop. What was your takeaways from seeing Victor play? Uh, yeah, I mean, he fought like I just I think tall people fall. You know, like I know, like that's may not be great analysis, but I think tall people just fall a lot more than than we than we do. And look, I I'm not really worried about him getting injured. He he does a lot of prep. He's been doing a lot of prep for his body that has been very progressive and and kind of new age. And and he you know he does these barefoot workouts to make sure his feet are strong before the game and everything. Like he like he's he's doing as much prep as you can to stay you know to stay healthy and to and to make sure that nothing goes wrong. It doesn't mean nothing will go wrong, but I don't expect him to have the same possibilities of injury as big men of the past because of the way he's been handled from a young age. But I just walked away thinking this guy is awesome. I know he struggled to shoot the ball in game one. He like, he had a bad game and had five blocks. He dropped like five or six dimes that, that we didn't, didn't see and didn't expect out of him. He didn't show that much until kind of the playoffs in France. You know, once the shot was going, you realize nobody can block it. Like he's going to draw so many fouls on jumpers because people are trying to contest it best they can. And you, and you just can't get to that reach. Like it's, it's just impossible. And so I think at worst, he's going to draw a ton of fouls. He's going to get some easy buckets here and there. He's going to rebound really well. He's going to defend incredibly well. And as long as he stays healthy, which is always going to be, you know, a, a big question for guys, his size, but as long as he stays healthy, I don't think there's a downside to him at all. Like I do think he is absolutely foolproof, but does that mean he's going to be the greatest prospect ever? No, it just means like they have a star no matter what happens. Love everything you said about him. And you know, I agree with Mike. I don't think this is a great bet on rookie of the year for him, but I'll tell you what, at 35 to one at DraftKings to win defensive player of the year, Zach, I think, and you guys both play basketball. You played basketball. You understand that when you play someone who is so long and so tall to shoot over them, I'm six, two. And if I'm being guarded by somebody who's six, seven, it is hard to get a clean look off. Now you're guarded by somebody who's seven, five with that wingspan, the alteration and the shot blocking off the ball is unbelievable. I, I think if you genuinely look at the way he can change your defense on balls on help side, my uh, Zach, to me, it's going to be huge. Oh, I mean, look, I was talking to, uh, you know, a scout and a couple of executives and, and they were saying like, 
you know, Spurs might have a top 10 defense this year. I was like, get out of here. Come on. They're way too young for that. And like, no, they might like, he might be that impactful defensively. Um, I remember the first time I, I tried to shoot a, shoot a shot, a three point shot over a guy who's seven one. And, uh, and it felt like I was trying to like throw the ball to the sky, like just like <laughs> try to hit the sun. With it, right. Like that's what it felt like because it is just, I mean, granted, like I'm six foot. So it's like, it's, there's a huge disparity there. Some of these guys are going to be much taller, but his, it's not just that his, it's his reach and it's his, um, and it's his length and everything. It's the timing. He just understands. Like there is an innate thing. It's like Jaron Jackson jr. With blocking shots. He blocks so many shots before the ball releases from the hand. And it, and it's why I think he's, you know, deserving of defensive player of the year last year. I think it was the right decision because that timing changes everything. I think Victor has the same stuff. Like, yeah, they're going to be a bunch that he just puts a hand up and gets a fingertip on. And you're, you're wondering like, how did he go away with that? But he legitimately could block four shots a game just by accident just by like a lazy closeout, Like, you know, that, you know, that BS Luke Cornette jumping from the paint when there's no, like, and people are like, Oh, it's an interesting strategy. Like, no, it's bad defense. Like, that's what it is. It's not actually it, like Ika Koro misses a three point shot. We're like, Oh, it works. It's like, no, it's just Ika Koro shooting the ball. Like that's why it happened. He may actually block those shots. He may get called for goaltending because he jumped from in the paint and got it on the way down. That's how, that's how ridiculous his length is. I, to your point on the goaltending though, I, I think there's a couple factors. I think he might initially get called for for more goaltendings than he deserves. But then on the other side, I think he might get away with some because he is so hard to gauge. I don't know what a standing mm-hmm. reach is vertically, but I have to tell you, you, you brought up a great analogy about shooting over someone seven, one it's, it's not only is he long, right? Like a Rudy, Rudy Gobert is what? Six, 11, seven feet tall. He's got great length, but now you add five inches and I think he's got some great agility. I, I think it's going to be a real challenge when you look at how he can alter shots. I, I wish and I'm sure they'll quantify it from an analytic standpoint, but the amount of impact guys that he's going to have from shot alteration, Mike, to me, it's going to be absolutely huge. Uh, he, he is going to make it very difficult to get inside the paint against the San Antonio team and, and get a shot up around the rim. We saw one player be able to do that. And that was in a showcase game. Scoot Henderson took him on and went to the rim against him multiple times. I thought Scoot looked phenomenal in the game that we saw at summer league as well. Zach, what were your takes on Scoot? How explosive was he in person? He's so good. <laughs> he is so unbelievably good. Like I get that. I get the Blazers. Like, look, we got to slow play this. We got to make sure we get the right package for Dame and everything. I understand that it's good business. It's the right thing. Do not alter the development of Scoot. Like, give him as many minutes, as much of the of the reins as you possibly can. Like, he's just he understands the flow of a game so well. The speed of the game. Like, yeah, he's strong. He's athletic. He's skilled his ability to change speeds at the drop of a hat. Like, I mean, it, his, his ability to attack. It's why he was able to get shots off inside against Victor. I don't think he'll have any problem against NBA length and NBA athleticism because he just know like he is. It's like, if you gave Mike Conley, the body of a linebacker and, and the athleticism of like, you know, maybe Russell Westbrook after two knee surgeries, right? Like he's just, he's so special. His body control is so good. And, and watching him, just be able to, to completely dictate the flow of a game. Like he's the real deal. He's going to be a superstar. He'll be a top 10 point guard in, in a couple of years. And, and just like, what a fine for the blazers. Like, that's why you tank folks. That's why you quit on the season two years in a row while you claim that you're committed to winning. It's to get someone like Scoot Henderson. I, I never disagreed with Sam Hinkie's plan in, in Philadelphia. 
they just wound up with the two softest guys in the world, Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. <laughs> it was actually the most – I'm telling you, Zach, I don't understand. If you're not an NBA championship team, and that's the greatest thing about sports, either you win or you're like the other 29 teams, you're a loser. And to me, you yeah. should be tanking if you don't have those pieces in place. Now San Antonio could theoretically build around what they have here. Uh, getting back to Henderson real quick, in terms of quickness, is he De'Aaron Fox level quick? Where are we talking in terms of quickness with the basketball? I think it is in relative, like he's slow. He, I don't know if anyone's quick. But I think because of the strength, I because I think because once he, once he accelerates and you, he turns his shoulder on you, there's nothing you can do. Like there's just, there's just nothing like you have to foul him. You're not going to recover on those moments. It, it's almost, it's very, his, his body language and, and the way he uses his body to his advantage. It's, it's very Luca and Paul Pierce, like in, in the sense that like, just once he gets the angle on you, you're screwed. Like you can't recover because he's too strong and too quick and, and too athletic. I, I said Scoot was going to be first team all NBA within five seasons on draft day. I still believe that he's that good and that, that dominant he's Derek Rose esque yeah. to me. And I think Ooh. he's going to find that jumper because he is one of those guys who loves to live in the gym. Zach, you willing to stick around for one more segment with us? Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. We can talk about your favorite thing. We can talk a little bit, a uh, little bit of Dame after the segment here and what's going on there in Portland as well. We'll be right back here on sharp money. Got, uh, got our boy. Uh, we, we got our boy, Zach Harper here from the athletic NBA. One more segment with him. This is sharp money. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. We all know about the sound of speed, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? Drive too fast and you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing because one way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by the NHTSA. Back in here on Sharp Money on a Tuesday, I'm Mike Samich. Here with Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. We've got another segment here coming at us with Zach Harper as well, NBA writer from The Athletic at Talk Hoops. Make sure you check him out over there. One of the better follows. Very engaging as well there on Twitter. And excited to have him back here because we got we talked to Scoot Henderson before the break. we got to talk a little bit more about Portland, Zach. What is going to go on with Dame Lillard here? His team has basically said Miami or nothing. But the assets that Miami have don't really fit the Portland plan. They're sending back. They would theoretically send back a couple guards. Portland's kind of good there. The picks wouldn't be that great. How does this end up actually playing out with Dame Lillard in the Miami heat? Three, four, five teams. I mean, it's, there's going to be a lot of teams. Like part of it is, is, you know, Nurkic, Nurkic is on the move. If Dame is on the move, like Portland's been trying to, to get rid of him. They don't really want his contract anymore. They're trying to move on in in a bunch of different ways. And, and I think that Look, I would be shocked if he doesn't end up in Miami and you can say like, well, they don't need Tyler hero. They don't want this. They don't want that. Like maybe the picks aren't that good agreed, but it is a superstar getting traded. And usually that goes the way of the superstar of where they want to go. Now you've had moments like Kawhi Leonard getting shipped to Toronto. You've had moments like, uh, you know, Bradley Beal getting, you know, or I'm sorry, Jimmy Butler getting shipped to Philadelphia before Miami. Um, but you look at the Bradley Beal situation and granted he had a no trade clause. So it was a little bit different, but guys usually end up where they want to be. Jimmy Butler eventually got to Miami and all they had to give up was Hassan Whiteside and Josh Richardson. Like there was nothing there for them to give in terms of assets. They had no cap room. They got it done. Agents usually find a way to get it done. Dame's got a good one. And Joe Cronin could puff his chest all he wants right now. But ultimately the history of the league shows that the stars get their way. I hear everything you're saying, but Dame exercised the player option for the 24-25 season. So he's under contract for two years. He's owed a ton of money over the next two seasons. He's owed uh, $93 million. He's not going to sit regardless of what Aaron Goodwin says. Aaron Goodwin's got four players in the NBA right now. I, to me, Joe Cronin is playing poker with a guy who's worried about theoretically having to pay his rent, and he's a millionaire in this particular instance. To me, there's no reason to ever commit or give in to whatever Dame wants. You make a deal that is in the best interest of the Portland Trailblazers, and it's not even close for me. I, I hear what you're saying, Zach, but I don't understand. Some of these GMs seem to be the worst poker players in the world. Yeah, I mean, look at every trade he's made. Like he shipped out CJ McCollum, he shipped out Larry Nance Jr., he shipped out uh, Norm Powell, he sh- shipped out Robert Covington, ended up shipping out Josh Hart, who we got in the CJ McCollum trade, and getting Cam Reddish in return. Like his trades have been horrible. Yep. Like he hasn't gotten really anything back in terms of assets. If he pulled this off and it was, you know, Tyler Hero and and Lowry and Duncan Robinson or or you know Caleb Martin or one of those guys plus two or three picks and pick swaps and everything that would actually be the best return he's ever gotten on a trade in these two years of doing it. Like everything you say is right. And it's the logical thing, but how many times do we look at an NBA front office who seems to be in a position of power and say, oh yeah, they made the logical move. They made the right move. Like it's the NBA. Like it just doesn't happen. Like the Knicks had all the leverage in getting Carmelo Anthony 11 years ago or 12 years ago, whatever that was and decided, no, we won't wait until the summer. We're just going to give up all these players and assets now to get him now because we can't wait like that. That typically ends up 
happening. And ultimately it's not up to Joe Cronin and it's not up to Dame and it's not up to his agent. It is up to blazers ownership, which has been horrible as well. And they need a new owner. They need a new, just complete fresh start. And it doesn't just happen with Dame. It happens selling that team. And ultimately, you know, we can look at the James Harden situation in Philadelphia where it's like, Ooh, two sides are, are ready to be uncomfortable. The only one that matters if they're comfortable or not is the owner. And that, and that ends up being what, and I think there's going to be a point where it's like, look, let's just get this over with. Let's move on. And, and the blazer probably lose out on that. But the good news is what for whatever graphics, as bad as they've been at trading, they've been really good at drafting. And so I think that you, you just get as many draft picks as you can in this situation. It's going to be four or five teams and it'll get done. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I think that they, uh, they fell into scoot there at three. And that was very fortunate that uh, Brandon Miller ends up going two to Charlotte. The one time I can think about it in the NBA, there were the waiting game actually played out Ben Simmons and what Philadelphia was able to do, especially no matter what you care think of, of James Harden, flipping a guy who doesn't play into James Harden, pretty good from a trade perspective on waiting it out. Be interesting to see here. If, uh, if we're going to see that same thing happen for the Blazers, then wait out the best possible opportunity here for Dame. Another interesting situation for me is what's happening in Boston. I know we've talked a ton about uh, the the combination of Jason Tatum and uh, and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's had ten days to get this extension. He's still sitting there without the extension. Should we start thinking about why he doesn't have this extension? Because I think everyone just assumed this was going to be inked in early July. Um, it's a good question. Like, it's just that's the weird thing with Jalen Brown and the Celtics, right? Is we always end up wondering, do they actually want him? Do they actually value him? Do they do they actually see him as the part of their future? Um, I think ultimately the the answer is yes, but there's been so much hesitation and and he made comments earlier this year, kind of like, eh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if they want to show me you know, that I matter to them. He's been on the trade block. His last contract negotiation uh, ended up being kind of a steal for them. And so I think he wants that. What is it? Five years, two ninety-five, or whatever that ridiculous number yeah. is. Part of the problem with this is in the future, you can't just keep throwing max deals and big deals at your guys because of this second tax apron. And it honestly, I hate it so much. I hate this collective bargaining agreement so much. And we're living with it. What seven, eight years, whatever that's going to be. And I think it's going to force a lot of teams to just make moves where they trade off guys to teams in cap space, because they are so afraid of getting into that second apron. I think Boston has to be aware of that. You know, they just gave Porzingis that extension. Obviously Tatum's always going to be on a max. Maybe part of that is a hesitation, but ultimately I think they get the deal done and get it done relatively soon. You know, I'm glad Mike brought up Jalen Brown. To me, he is the quintessential example of a player you don't want to give $295 million to. He's a good player. But does Jalen Brown, number one, he doesn't help you sell a single ticket. Number two, do you really look at him and go, wow, we got Jalen Brown. Guys, let's go ahead and start bringing in Jostens in here and let's get fitted for rings. Are you kidding me? I mean, like Jalen Brown is good if I want to start an on-campus rally over at Berkeley or if I want to do something at one of these schools. He's a solid NBA player. He is not a $59 million a year NBA player. I can give you right now 30 to 40 guys I would rather have on my team than Jalen Brown. He's really good. Like, don't get me. He's really, yeah, he's really good. Um, But I, with that kind of money, right. With those kind of extensions as the money just gets more and more absurd in the NBA and I'm all for like, get these guys paid. Like I, I have no problem with it, but there is a certain point where I think teams have to ask themselves. All right. If this was our number one guy, would we feel comfortable having him as the number one guy and, and giving that kind of money to it with Jason Tatum? It's an absolute yes. With Jalen Brown, I don't know that I would ever want him as the number one on my, on my team. Um, we've, we've seen plenty of really great players, you know, kind of 
walked that line. I mean, Anthony Davis recently was one of those guys where you wonder like, are they going to be good once LeBron is gone? Right? Like, are, is he able to carry a team? And I think with Jalen Brown, it like, ultimately I would say no, but in today's NBA, you need two stars. They have two stars and you just hope that Jason Tatum doesn't get hurt. And Jalen Brown learns how to dribble with his left hand in the playoffs. Mike, Mike, we've seen this in the NFL. There are names called Dakota Prescott and uh, Joe Flacco. You sign guys that are good, not great to these long-term contracts. And you don't win with them. I, I think you make a great point on Jalen Brown. Look, I, to me, Jason Tatum's the one all day. It's not even close. I thought he was a great player coming out of Duke. I thought he was worthy of being the third pick in the draft. Jalen Brown, when he was the third pick, I think they looked around and go, guys, we got 30 seconds. You want to submit somebody? <laughs> you think back. You think back to that that Miami series. He had the chance to be the one, and he wasn't good enough to be the one when Tatum got hurt in Game Seven. That to me was was as damning as anything else. And Boston kind of got put in a tough spot here because people like Kevin Durant weren't able to qualify for All NBA team this year. You see Jalen Brown get second team All NBA, and it's one of the reasons this contract is so big as well. So the the dominoes that fell for Boston kind of put them in a precarious spot where you've got to pay a B guy, a money to be able to keep him around. And you've already had those issues. Like you mentioned, Zach with the organization and him, not really sure if he wants to stick or if they want him to stick around. And now I, the, the hang up over this fifth year and player option seems to be another problem with Jalen Brown in Boston there. Yeah. And I, and I think that's just ends up, you know, that's what the situation is going to be for a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys that are kind of good, kind of good enough, but maybe not quite the ones you want to give that money to this new CBA is going to change the thinking on a lot of that. I still think the players will end up winning most of those negotiations because losing that, especially when you're a team like Boston, like you, let's say Jalen Brown decides like, nah, I'm not going to do this. Nah, I'm just going to walk away in free agency and they don't trade him because they think they can resign him. He just walks away. It's not like you get to take that 40 million he's making that year and just replace it with 40 million. No, they'll be over the cap. They'll be over, you know, maybe even the first tax, like they, they'll be in a situation where they just lose him for nothing unless there's a sign and trade. And I just think with, with someone like Jalen Brown, um, you have to keep them, but you, you wish he was someone else at the same time. And there are a lot of guys out there like that. Zach, we got about 15 seconds though. Sometimes isn't the most prudent move one that may in the short run hurt you, but you get stuck with an albatross of a contract. What do you do then? Are we talking about the Blazers trading for Tyler hero or the wizards trading for Jordan pool or the, or the Celtics keep in Jalen Brown? It's a great question. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like that's why that's why these guys are paid way more money than I am. And I'm just here wondering like, all right, can I do sushi again on Postmates? <laughs> Let's do sushi. I like that. Plan, Zach. Zach Harper, the athletic NBA writer at talk hoops on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. Thank you very much for sticking around Thanks, for guys. two segments with us. Zach, we'll be right back with more sharp money right after the break. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today, and new customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonus instantly. Use promo code VSIN, V S I N, when you sign up. See DraftKings.com backslash sportbook for full terms and conditions. Welcome back in here. Sharp money Tuesday edition. Mike Samich filling in here for Patrick Maher. We've got a mall shot. Dustin Sweetelson back at the South point. And now we're going to talk a little bit of football. We got Emery hunt, CBS sports, HQ football analyst. You can find him at F ball game there on Twitter. Emery. How's it going, man? Doing great, man. I appreciate you guys. Bring me on. Yeah, of course. So looking forward to talking some NFL here, but before we do, we got to let you puff your chest out a little bit. 15 and five in the CFL. 
15 and 5 in the CFL, 25 and 18 in the XFL, 23 and 20 in the USFL. So what, 65 and 43? Overall, spring and summer, that's pretty amazing, man. <laughs> that's pretty good. You, you, can still, you don't need the NFL in college football round to be able to make some money on the pigskin. I love it. Let's, uh, let's jump into the NFL real quick. I'm going to let them all ask his question. We know he's going to come at us with some NFC West talk, but let's start with the NFC North here. Uh, I have a bet on the Packers plus 550 to win the division. It seems like you agree that this team's being criminally underrated right now, especially with how many hey, question marks you have in the rest of that division. Right, and that's the team I have winning the division. I have the Packers winning the NFC North. I feel like people are sleeping on the fact that Jordan Love has been in this offense for four years, has a stable of options up front and in the backfield, two good running backs, good weapons at receiver that he has played with and grown with. And they drafted Dontavious Wicks out of Virginia, big fan of him. They brought in two tight ends, excellent tight ends, um, to help him out as well. And his defense has great personnel at all three levels. So I feel like people are sleeping on continuity being king and both not only the quarterback, but also this coaching staff wants to show everybody, Hey man, this wasn't all about Aaron Rodgers. We can coach football. We can play football. So I like them to win that division. It's interesting. Uh, so I'm assuming, look, I agree with you from a talent standpoint. You guys are both correct. Green Bay is being slept on. I think Detroit's getting a ton of hype, but when you look at Jordan love, just give me a gauge Emory of where you kind of see him. He's going to be a guy that comes in. I like the point you made. He's been in the system for a long time, but is he someone that could potentially lead them in situations where it's needed? Because that was the one thing with Rodgers you always felt comfortable and confident with. Yeah, I feel like he can do so. I feel like he is someone that wants to do it, and he showed it briefly in that game he stepped in for him against Philadelphia. They went right down the field and put the ball in the end zone. They had trouble scoring the ball that game until he got in. And I feel like when you think about what he brings to the table, that level of confidence and now having that benefit of the run game, if you can't run the football and play good run defense in the NFC North, it's going to look like the old NFC central. You're not going to be able to win games. I think because green Bay can do both of those things this upcoming season, I feel like that's going to give him a better chance to succeed. Let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the NFC East here. The two headlining teams in that division, you got Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys. I think everyone agrees they're going to finish first or second in some order inside of that division. Two of the plays that you like here is the Giants under seven and a half and the Commanders over six and a half. Kind of correlated plays there because if the Commanders go over, they're going to have to beat the Giants a couple times. Let us know. Tell us why you like the Commanders over and the Giants under. They're the same exact team, different coats of paint. Ryan Rivera is 3-3-1 three, three, and one against three different coaches of the New York Giants, but pretty much a lot of the same personnel that's been on this roster. So for me, if the Giants are just how they are right now with a Saquon Barkley out there, let's say he's out there, they still have questions in the passing game. I know they've made some improvements, but they still have a team full of number twos and number threes at receiver. So if you're a team that, that can not only get to the quarterback, but also trust your back end to cover, you can essentially take away some of their wide receivers and make things tougher for Daniel Jones, who doesn't want to make the big mistake. So it tends to yield him holding the ball and taking some sacks. So I feel like they kind of can split and Washington is going to be better because they're built just like the Giants. Great defensive line. I love their secondary. I think they have a better secondary more so than the Giants do. Giants, I feel like, have better linebackers, uh, in my opinion, than do Washington. Giants old line may be slightly better. They have a better backfield depth across the board, but Washington now has Sam Howard quarterback, Eric Bieniemy called in the place, and they have the better receivers in Washington. So you can see where both teams could end up with seven wins and cancel each other out. 
I completely agree with you on your take on the Giants. Look, they had a good year, but they had some wins. Randy Bullock misses the kick in Tennessee early in the season. You played some bad teams in terms of the victories that they had against the Houston Texans. They tied the Commanders. Commanders were playing without quarterback. And talent-wise, guys, I think Washington is just a better football team minus the quarterback position. And, And Daniel Jones, to me, boy, you talk about getting a lot of love for one game because Minnesota can't stop the run. I think I might be the only person in the world who likes that Daniel Jones contract. And it's, it's because I, I trust the coaching staff. If they're willing to pay him that money, I believe that, that they think they can make Daniel Jones into that guy. So we'll see how that pans out. I didn't hate that contract though. Amal. A- Emery, you're unaware. Mike is his agent. <laughs> there's, there's nobody could like this contract, but let's forget about that. Let's go to, I know you guys both like Seattle. I do not. Before you give me the breakdown of why both you guys like Seattle, I'm going to tell you one play, though, I do like with the Hawks this year. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm going to tell you right now, this kid's going to have a chance to make 100 catches. There is nobody in the slot that's going to be able to stop him. He is one of the best guys at getting off of coverage. I think he's going to be unbelievable. And you know what's funny about that? Imagine him being your third option. That's the crazy part because now you have D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, his third, your th- their third option is better than your number one corner, and sometimes your number two corner. So it's going to be a problem. But what does that do? It opens things up for their run game, and now they've doubled down and tripled down in the backfield to add to Kenneth Walker. They bring in Zach Charbonnet. They bring in a uh, homeboy from Georgia. I want to say his name slips my mind, but he's going to be their third receiver, their third back, the guy that can catch football and also uh, you know return kicks. So they got better up front. They got better on defense. And I think they were a year ahead. I liked them last year, and they ended up making the playoffs. But this team was a year ahead with the youth that they have had starting at both tackle spots. Now those two guys will be in their second season. And those two young players, and Kobe Bryant and also Tariq Woolen, they're going into their second season. You hope to get a healthy Jamal Adams. This team is more mature and better on both sides going into this season. So, yes, yeah, that's why I like them to win that division. Mike, I, I agree with him in the sense of the running game. You're talking about Kenny McIntosh, who I really liked out of UGA. McIntosh. I, I think this team could be good. I, I hear the point, but give me one more argument before I counter both of you here. Well, I, I think this defense is criminally underrated right now. You get Witherspoon in the draft. You had four defensive starters that were rookies last year. It's a, a known fact that you have that rookie wall that you hit when you're a defensive player. And if you look at their defensive ratings before and after week 13, you saw that slide start to happen for the Seattle team. Now those players who were rookies last year are all going to be second year players this year. That should help them out a lot. Love Witherspoon as the off ball cornerback as well. He's got a shutdown guy who's now your number two cornerback. I think that's a huge ad. You add Wagner in the middle. So you add that veteran person. You add the run stopping ability at middle linebacker. I think, think that's a huge help. And oh, by the way, let's look at the schedule. They get to take on San Francisco two plus spots. They have to they play at home on a short week and they play off a, a semi long week. So you get 10 days rest before San Francisco and then San Francisco has to go play you on a short week on Thursday night in Seattle. So you have an edge in both games from a rest perspective and home field advantage against the two San Francisco games. I think the Seattle team who doesn't have any question marks and improved is better than San Francisco, who has a ton of question marks at quarterback. And other than that, it's returning the same team. Well, 
Okay, great point you make there in terms of the schedule, but let's break down the Seattle team from last year. Nine wins, four of them came against the Rams and the Cardinals. I think Georgia could have beaten a couple of those teams last year. On top of it, you mentioned the 49ers. In six halves of football against San Francisco last year, they played well in the first half against San Francisco in the playoff game. In the first game they played in SF, they had an 86-yard field goal block return for a touchdown. In the other game, they were trailing 21-3, got a late Jake uh, Myers field goal, and then a touchdown around garbage time. They were really never in that football game. They get dominated thoroughly in terms of the second half by the Niners. I understand and appreciate your point on the quarterback play, but the one thing we realized with San Francisco, they have arguably five to six guys in the National Football League, for my money guys, that are the best individuals at their position. CMC, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Trent Williams, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa. And then you add in Hargrave from Philadelphia, who's as good as anybody on the defensive line. Eric Armstead's going to be healthy. I can appreciate what you guys are saying. I still have question marks about Geno Smith. I love the point Emery made about the receivers. They're absolute dudes. I, I think Tyler Lockett has been criminally underrated his whole career. Uh, Tyler Lockett over yards is, a, a, to me, a lock this year. He's sitting, I think, like 756 is his over-under on the yard side. I think he's going way over it. Emery, I, tell them all why he's wrong here. We're winning this division. How what are we going to go? 12-5, and five, somewhere in there? That'll get the job done. I don't think San Francisco's as good as they are last year. Well, he makes great points about the talent on both sides, which is why people like San Francisco, but quarterback question marks at the start of the season is going to push them back to where now they're going to be playing from behind in terms of like the, in terms of win. So that's going to be the biggest thing for me, because you don't want to throw out uh, unhealthy Brock Purdy, who also had a lot of drop interceptions. You don't want to throw out Sam Darnold, who throws a catchable interception. And you don't know what you're going to get from Trey Lance, who does a great job at just playing consistent ball, but he can't stay healthy. So if they can't figure that out within the first quarter of the season, I feel like if they lose two games or three games, that puts them behind Seattle, who can get off to a great start. Emery's right on Sam Darnold. You talk about a turnover machine. <laughs> It's going to be trouble there up there. Emery, thank you very much for joining us. CBS Sports HQ football analyst. You can find him at FBallGame over on Twitter. Appreciate you, man. Thank you very much. Follow, Thanks, follow guys. his CFL picks. He's on fire. No kidding. All right, we'll be right back. More Sharp Money on the other side of the break. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's always football season here at VSIN, which is why we've already released our NFL betting guide. Our NFL betting guide will help get you ahead of the upcoming NFL season with in-depth profiles from every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends, plus best bets on season win totals, futures, and props. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19 and get your digital copy of the VSIN NFL betting guide or take advantage of the summer kickoff special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $175. Sign up today at vison.com backslash subscribe. Welcome back in here. Sharp money. Mike Samich filling in for Patrick Maher. Got a mall Shaw, Dustin Swedelson over there at the South point in Las Vegas. And let's talk a little bit of NFL. We just had some news come down the wire. Alvin Kamara ends up pleading no contest uh, to an assault charge in Las Vegas, stemming from an incident that happened pro bowl weekend. There gets a 30 hours community service. $105,000 $105,000 fine to uh, help pay the medical bills them all a good spot for Alvin Kamara to do apparently commit a crime here because it turned out pretty good for him. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the fact that he gets only a fine of a hundred thousand dollars and then a 30 hour community service, it's, it's actually a joke for people that are unfamiliar with this case. I believe is over at uh, Cromwell hotel and casino where uh, they were at Dre's nightclub or coming in and out of there. And somebody uh, got attacked uh, that was just in the elevator with him. And the reality is, Mike, if he were an average citizen, he would be looking at at a few years in jail. This was an absolute assault, and it's criminal to me based on what the deal that was negotiated by the district attorney in Clark County for Alvin Kamara. The only good thing I'm looking forward to is this guy's going to get a nice settlement from Alvin Kamara when he winds up in court with him uh, after he uh, gets this thing resolved. I would expect you're going to see a civil court issue here for Kamara. So I wouldn't be surprised if that comes down the wire. And then I don't know what's going to happen from the NFL side of this as well. The, the quote, uh, to quote the league policy, it's not enough to simply avoid being found guilty of a crime. We are all held to higher standards and must conduct ourselves in a way that is responsible and promotes the values of the NFL and is lawful. Players convicted of a crime or subject to a disposition of criminal proceeding are subject to discipline. So we'll see if the NFL decides that this is enough to discipline him in some way here in the upcoming season. Uh, the Saints win total right now sitting at nine and a half plus one fifteen favorites in the South. I like them to win the South here all. This doesn't really change that outcome. I, w- I would be surprised if anything comes from this that makes me decide I don't think they should be the favorites and what's a pretty weak division. Uh, do you think this affects the Saints season at all? 
No, I think it actually benefits them because it uh, depends on what happens to him from the NFL. I would expect a suspension probably in the four to six game range, because if you actually follow this case, this was pretty severe. And the good news for the Saints is if they're in a showdown against, say, Carolina or someone else in the division later in the season, you can always send Alvin Kamara into a hotel in the elevator and he can take care of business for you before we get to Sunday. All right, there we go. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's ridiculous, Mike. I follow this case closely, and the fact that he's not being charged more severely in this, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you're basically saying it's open season on civilians that may not be as famous or have the financial acumen that someone like Alvin Kamara has. Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. The video of it uh, coming outside of Dre's was is awful, uh, and it's four on one, right? So it's yeah. it's also a situation where it's just not necessary. It's just one of those a, a terrible situation, terrible decision. Good things don't happen after three a.m. in Vegas most of the time. So just uh, remember that if you are going out to Dre's, just be, be back by three usually. All right, let's flip gears here a little bit. Let's talk about uh, the Heisman Trophy odds and specifically Trent Dilfer and kind of what he said to hype up one Drake May, the quarterback here for uh, North Carolina. He mentioned. So he said, quote, Drake may is Joe Burrow from an NFL prospect. According to Trent Dilfer, many scouts reportedly believe may would have been the first overall pick in several drafts. I actually agree with that. He would have been first this year, probably first last year as well as, as well as all you have Caleb Williams, who is currently your number one, your favorite to be the first overall pick this year, your reigning Heisman trophy winner as well. Right now, Caleb Williams minus three thirty-five to be able to be first pick in the NFL draft. Drake may sitting there at plus 600. First off, do you buy the hype that we're getting here from Trent Dilfer on the Drake May train? Secondly, are you willing to bet it at plus 600? Do you think there's another market you can attack? No, I think it's a great bet because I think Caleb Williams would be a prohibitive favorite. But I, I vehemently disagree, first of all, with him being the number one pick over Stroud and over um, uh, Bryce Young, who went number one overall to Carolina because Stroud's got an incredible arm. I got to tell you, if Bryce Young 6'3", we're not even having this conversation. The only concern I have with Bryce Young's ability in the National Football League is going to be health. Does he wind up in a Tua type of situation, Mike? If he does, then I think it's going to be a problem. If not, I think the kid's going to be fantastic. He's incredibly accurate. He's very savvy within the pocket. He just can make plays, and then he uses his legs in a timely fashion. Drake May is a very, very good quarterback. I'm not saying he doesn't have the opportunity or the potential to be the first overall pick, but this is not something new for Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer's always kind of projected guys that don't necessarily kind of equate in that way. I think Trent Dilfer was the guy that recommended JT Barrett for Ohio State. So for me, I don't necessarily look at him as a keen evaluator of talent. And here's another thing. Caleb Williams, I've never seen a quarterback in college football that can keep a play alive longer and look down the field and just be able to make a throw after the defense is worn out. I, I mean, there are guys that can keep plays alive and then they take off running like we've seen Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton could do it, guys like that. But what Caleb Williams is able to do with his size and stature, he's not particularly tall, but he's stocky, and he makes it tough to bring him down. I think he's going to be a tough guy to supplant at number one, particularly in that offense that Lincoln Riley runs in Los Angeles. He's going to have a monster year for the Trojans. Yeah, Caleb Williams, 6'1", 220. Uh, Drake May, 6'4", 220. So Caleb Williams, as big as as Drake May from a, a weight perspective, just not quite as tall. I, I think Caleb Williams is absolutely dynamic. I think he's going to be a phenomenal NFL player. I thought he was phenomenal last year winning the Heisman. I like his chances of being able to win the Heisman again. I think that USC team, they're plus 600 right now to go undefeated. I think they've got a very, very good chance at that. The hiccup game is at Oregon the second to last week. I think they're going to be able to get by Washington, get be able, be able to get by Notre Dame. So I, I think he's got a great shot at following it up. As far as Drake May, look, 
he's the real deal from everything I've seen. He has a, just a monster arm. When you watch tape of last year's North Carolina team, he's got all of the skill set that you want from an NFL perspective, the comps to Joe Burrow to Josh Allen, I think are, are interesting. I mean, Josh Allen, I think is a more legitimate comp just because Joe Burrow's the accuracy, I think is better than what we saw from Drake may last year in college. I would be shocked if Drake may goes number one overall to me, if, if you're going to look at a, a market that you want to attack with this, the number one overall pick, I don't think is it. I, I the, unless Caleb Williams gets injured, he's going to be the number one pick in this draft. He's just that, that transcendent type of talent with the ability with not only his legs, but also the arm strength. If you want to take a swing, the Heisman is where you take a swing to me because you can get Drake may at 17 to one in that market. And he, that's where you have a better shot at getting that return versus him getting drafted. Number one, just because of, Caleb Williams is that good. And he is that big of an NFL prospect. He would have a hundred percent gone number one in any of the last three drafts, at least two drafts, maybe three drafts. If he was in those classes, I, I hear what you're saying on Caleb Williams. And I don't disagree, especially in 2022 with Trayvon Walker going number one. I don't remember in 21 who went first, but I, I have to tell you, I'm not a big Alabama guy, but if you, I watched pretty much every play that Bryce Young played in Tuscaloosa this guy was unbelievable, and and I th- I'm not taking anything away from Caleb Williams. He's a tremendous talent, uh, but I still would say this: you see so many times where a guy is projected to be number one, kind of slips a little bit. Um, I'm not saying that's going to necessarily happen to Caleb Williams, but I'm not ready to sit there. I remember when Andy Katzmore was at Ohio State. This guy was expected to be a top five pick. He ends up slipping behind Javon Kirst in the draft. So I think there's always a potential. If guys don't duplicate the season they had previously, there's always an opportunity to have some slippage there. Um, we'll see what happens. The one thing I would like to see with Drake May is does he have the arm strength? When you look over the years, guys that were number one overall picks, Jeff George, Drew Bledsoe, Peyton Manning, uh, Tim Couch, Michael Vick, they all could throw the ball through a wall. So for me, that's the one thing I'd want to see out of Drake May. But I, I think both of these guys are extremely extremely talented. Uh, The one thing I would point to, you mentioned about Caleb Williams, Drake May, and I'm going to throw Bryce Young in there. To me, Bryce Young is more accurate than both of these guys. And, you know, Bill Polian, we had him on our show um, a couple years ago on a show. He said the single most important uh, criteria for quarterback for him has always been accuracy. He he is the most accurate of the three. Uh, He is a gamer too. Uh, One thing I loved about Bryce young is he just, he wants to win. He had that will to win consistently at Alabama. The size is a huge issue for me though. No question. Caleb Williams to me, like bigger arm, taller, dude, more built to get hit faster, able to extend plays like Bryce young can, but then also break the pocket and run for 50 yards. I I don't see how any GM is going to take or would have taken Caleb Williams over Bryce young. Uh, Drake may is, He's got a cannon for an arm. That's where he gets those Josh Allen comps from is that he's, he is able to run and has an absolute cannon. The accuracy, not great. It's interesting too, with him on North Carolina, because the talent is just not around him. So you don't necessarily get to see it showcased in the same way that you see some of these other talents when they get to really throw to receivers that are open, that have massive, like that are able to create separation and are very, very fast. You don't have that same skill level on UNC. Yeah. Losing Josh downs is big, right? Downs is unbelievable in terms of what he was able to do at Carolina. But I agree with you there in terms of may uh, again, the accuracy and sometimes he's had some turnovers in the past. We'll see what happens. Long way to go, long season to go. And, and you're absolutely right. Injury is probably the only thing that appears to derail Caleb Williams as the first overall pick, but I don't think this is a Tim Couch, uh, Trevor Lawrence type of scenario where the guy is just, he's the number one pick, whether he plays or not type of situation. We'll see. I love me some Caleb Williams. I can't oh, wait I to think see he's him fantastic. in the NFL here in two years. He's going to be phenomenal there. We'll be right back here. More Sharp Money. Max Brown on the other side, Pac-12 Network analyst. You're listening to Sharp Money. I'm Vison. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening.